This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Good morning, everyone. If it's your first time at ABC, we give you a really, really warm welcome today. A particularly warm welcome, eh? It's great if you're joining us online. Um, Thanks for taking the time to be with us this morning. Um, I want to tie into uh, a verse that we were singing this morning um, when the team were leading us in worship this morning. Uh, They were singing about, we are forever changed by his love. Can we just think about that for a moment? That we are forever changed changed by his love. In fact, there's a verse that uh, is going to be on screen in a minute that I want you to just read with me for a moment. But before that verse comes on screen, I want to ask you a couple of opposites. Can you help me with opposites? You all know your opposites. Do you? What's the opposite of tall? Good. Phil. Very good. Someone had to get that one in. What's the opposite of poor? Fantastic. What's the opposite of deep? I thought that was going to catch some of you with some choruses going on. What's the opposite of wide? What's the opposite of love? Or is it? Or is it? You see, the Bible tells us in this verse, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, perfect love casts out Why doesn't it say hate then? Why doesn't it say hate? The reason it says fear is because when we are forever changed by his love, it casts out fear. Let me explain. We've got some animals that are coming here this afternoon in Messy Church. How many of you are excited to see the skunk? How many of you are excited to smell the skunk? So we've got loads of different animals here. We asked them not to bring the elephant. Asked them not to bring the giraffe or the rhino. He's a bit short-tempered on occasions. We asked him to keep those animals. But think about it for a moment. If we were walking down the high street and we saw a rhino coming our way, there would be some reactions, wouldn't there? What do you think the reaction would be? Run for it would be some of you. What would the other reactions be from others of you? Sorry? Astonishment? Astonishment? Yes. What does that look like? (laughs) Astonished. There's a rhino in the middle of Hammondford. We we all react to these things, but have you heard of fight or flight? Everybody talks about fight or flight, isn't it? When we're in a fear situation, when we get scared, fight or flight fits in. But there's another one. There's another one. Fight, flight, there's another one called freeze. And that's rarely, rarely talked about. If you want to know more about that, have you, do you guys know the, the actor called Dolph Lundgren? He was a huge fella. He wasn't short. He, was, he wasn't narrow. He was, he's a huge, huge fellow um, that is in Rocky Four, And you can see him as a massive, massive fellow. But if you go onto YouTube and type in TED Talk and look up Dolph Lundgren, you will see him in particular talking of this principle called freeze. Because that big guy, 
The reason he decided to start fighting and getting into all of those had such a harrowing childhood that his father used to beat and abuse him. And he had learnt to freeze. Because he says he couldn't fly out of the situation because he was six, seven years of age. There was no way. How could he run away from home? How could he have the resources to do that? So he couldn't fly. Equally so, being five, six years of age, I'm pretty sure he couldn't fight his dad. So the only opportunity that he had was to pick up that third thing, which is to freeze. I'm pretty sure some of you, if you did see the rhino coming down the high street, some of you, your reaction would be to freeze. You just go, I can't move, because that's one of the reactions. So what I want to share with you is this from this scripture before we go into the subject and before we go into this series this morning, is that perfect love casts out fear. And fight, flight, or freeze have their foundation and root in fear. And a consequence of fear can be hate or revenge or whatever we want. But the root of it, Scripture teaches us, perfect love casts out fear. And as people, we live in fear so often, don't we? Come on, be honest with me. How we live in fear. How many of you are worried about your pension right now and what's going to happen with Brexit and the economy? Don't we? We all have a little bit of anxiousness about the future. We're all worried about different things. We all have an element of fear. Fear is on a scale, isn't it? Fear is on a scale that starts over here that we focus on a lot of time. I'm scared about that job interview. Or I'm worried about this. Or my fa- a member of my family is ill and I'm really anxious and, and, and I'm really stressed about it. Or you get diagnosed with a, a particular illness or an ailment or something and, and fear sets in. It's on a continuum is fear, isn't it? That over here is where it can start to consume our thoughts our minds, and how we think. Agreed? Agreed? But perfect love casts out fear. And what the Christian life is about is the enemy wants us to live here. He wants us to live in constant fear. He wants to kill, he wants to steal, and he wants to destroy you. He doesn't want you the other end of this continuum where we move out through less fear, less fear, less fear. And what happens in the end? Perfect love casts out fear. And we move into this wonderful place over here of peace and contentment that Jesus uses lovely words in Matthew chapter 5 to to describe. And it's so easy for Jesus to say, isn't it? Don't you you think it's too easy? Don't worry about tomorrow. (laughs) Today has got enough trouble of itself. He goes on to talk. He says, look, look at the sparrows, Phil. They don't worry. They don't put up food and they don't store up. You shouldn't worry either, Phil. So easy for him to say, isn't it? Or is it just me that's being real here? That we've got different issues and different crises. Because when you're over here and your child is sick, or when you're over here and they've made you redundant, and when you're over here and that... Mortgage deal interest just 
went and you've just realised you've got to find an extra hundred and whatever pound a month or whatever it is. And, and the fear sets in. It's a different thing to be here, isn't it? Absolutely. Let's be real about fear. And so in this verse that I want to begin to, I want us to, if I can, share with you what's a really, really difficult concept to get our minds around. And God has over the last two, three years been working uh, at me in this particular area. So forgive me if there's the odd tear this morning. Uh, Forgive me if I speak with emotion this morning because I am speaking to you of a place of my own experience. I didn't want to preach this message. I've been fighting preaching this message series, but God is saying, you've got to preach it, Phil, because I believe that chains are going to be broken as I introduce to you the series that we're going to speak about for the next couple of weeks. And it's simply called this, unoffendable. 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 I'm offended. Have you heard the phrase? Oh, we've all heard the phrase. Come on, be honest with me. Have you heard the phrase? You have. I'm offended. What have you been offended by? Well, the range of... the, the range and the span of the results and responses that you get from people if you ask them what they're offended about are quite incredible these days. In fact, you've only got to spend about 10 minutes on Facebook to actually see what people get offended about. Have you? It's absolutely... And this shift changes happening in our culture in a massive way that people get offended about the slightest things and the enemy wants us to be offended because if we get offended by something we give it a place in our heart that has its has its root in fear and what the enemy seeks to do is instead of have us walk in the power of Christ because Christ came to free us from sin and from sickness and from poverty and all of what the enemy wanted for us Jesus wants us to live in this space over here, which is in love and freedom and liberty. And the enemy wants to kill and destroy and steal from us so that we live in this place called offense and fear. Do you not believe me? I tell you what, you've only, I'll I'll, I'll challenge you. Let me give you four facts today about the U.S. economy. And can I ask you to, um, in fact, I'll just give you three. I won't give you all four. I'll just give you three this morning. I encourage you today to get onto Facebook and put these stats down and put this phrase before it, okay? And then you'll see how people get offended. Because what I am quoting to you today is fact. This is fact what I'm going to quote to you, but I've got to praise this on the fact that, are you ready for this? Me saying what I'm about to say might cause offense in this room. Oh, I'm just calling it out there. You might be listening to me online, you might be in the room, and what I'm about to tell you will cause you offense. So just be aware of the reaction of your own mind and own, your own heart when you were, if you were to go and do this today. Imagine me going home from church today and typing into Facebook and hitting submit this statement. Isn't Donald Trump doing a great job? (laughs) Three facts. 
facts as to why I think Donald Trump is doing a great job. The US economy is growing quicker now since he came into power than in Obama's. Fact. The stock market, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, is higher now and has traded more highly and has had so many highs since he's come into power than any other president in modern times. Fact. US unemployment is falling today. Fact. In fact, it is down to the lowest since records began in the US. It is down to 3.9%. It's never been that low. It was in April 2018 at 3.9%, equaling its lowest ever recorded level of 3.9%, which the last time that was, it was 2001. Isn't Donald Trump doing a great job? Are you offended? Because what can happen is if I shoved that up on Facebook, what would happen? Oh, there will be a load of polarization over that one. Are you, 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 are you with me here? Yeah. We would see people post, yes, well, what about the wall that he wants to build in Mexico? What about, yes, and I know life's like that with what if. But we have to learn to be mature, particularly as Christians. Can you imagine me having a fantastic steak at a restaurant? I'm at a Michelin star restaurant and I have this lovely steak that comes out to me. How many of you love a T-bone steak? Oh, yeah, there's nothing like a T-bone. And the T-bone steak comes out, and it's there, wonderfully prepared. But I spot a piece of fat and gristle on the side of my steak. And I say, excuse, can I have the chef, please? Look, there's a bone here in my steak, <laughs> and there's gristle here in my steak. Do you think the chef would look a little bit daft at me? I think he would, because what he would say is, Phil, you're not six. Because when we were six, your mom used to cut the gristle, push it to the side, take it off the bone, push it to the side, and she'd take the steak. And what would she do? <coughs> cut it into small pieces because I was young and immature and not knowing how to eat properly. Yeah? I still spill it over my shirt, I suppose. I'm not able to eat properly. But if we did that today, or, or, or we went to Nando's. How many of you like a cheeky Nando's? <laughs> and we ordered half a chicken. Half a chicken is what? Mm, 50% of a full-size chicken. And it comes with half a chicken on the plate, and it's there with the bones and everything. Can you imagine if I went to the restaurant and said, why have I had this with the bones? But what we do in life is people who are immature, I'm just going to say it, they find it difficult to agree with people that have a different opinion of them. And instead of accepting the fact that people are different... They prefer to get offended, and what they're trying to do is they want you to change your behavior to suit their world. That's what they want to do. They want to control me, and they want to control you. And they say, will you change the way you are behaving towards me? So I've just, it was the simple expression to you there about changing my Donald Trump Facebook status. But people get offended about worse stuff than that. I'm, I'm genuine. Have you seen the way she was dressed? Uh, yeah. Why? She shouldn't dress like that. She can't pull it off. Well, she's wearing it. I think she pulled it off. 
she got into it. No, no, no. And, and people have all these opinions. Oh, it's ridiculous. She should know better than to wear something like that. Is that our culture? It's gone mad. Or this one that has been, I am not, I kid you not. Part of what brought this series on, where, you know, when you're preparing a, a message, you're preparing a series, what God does, he starts to stir your heart and you see stuff everywhere. And what pushed me into this message is an issue that happened at work. And the issue that happened at work, where I was brought, brought into a potential grievance issue between a man, manager and a member of staff. And I was the person that was asked to investigate this and find out. Do you know why this person had a problem with a manager? It was on the verge, in inverted commas, of bullying and intimidation. Do you know what the manager had done? Was it what he said? Not particularly. Was it what he did? No. Well, what was it? It's just the way he looked at me when he said it. Really? I didn't say that. <laughs> but that's the world that we are in. That even now, think about it, that I have to temper the way I look at you because of the way that you're processing that information? How mad is our world becoming? Because it's so mad, it's falling for the whole thing. Wants us to live in fear, uncertainty, doubt, all of this stuff that messes with our head. Do you know what the word offended means? If you look it up in the dictionary, listen to this. And if you're offended by what I have just said in my introduction to this as we just look at some uh, points this morning. I'm really, really sorry. I'm really, really sorry that you're offended. I haven't sought to offend you this morning by anything I've said. It is not in my heart to do that. But I, can I just encourage you to try and think differently? The Bible teaches us to think differently. And most scientists and psychologists will tell us that, you know, if we're not getting the outputs that we want in life, we need to program our thinking to the world around us. Can I encourage you to maybe open up the opportunity of considering that maybe we and you and I need to change, need to change the way we think about things and other people's behaviors. The reason I say that is if you look up the dictionary, the meaning of the word offended is this, to become resentful or annoyed, typically as a result of a perceived insult. Can I just pull that word out? I hear two people in the congregation repeat the word when I said it. There's a key word that's in there. To become resentful or annoyed, typically as a result of a perceived insult. I mean, there is such a thing as an insult, isn't there? So I don't want us to live in a crazy, mad world now that we don't acknowledge there are such things as insults. There are such things as insults. And I am not suggesting by, uh, you know, I've talked about this principle before. Um, I don't know, it's, it's, I'm just going to say it, I call it prat o -mat. That's the word that I use. Okay? 
God doesn't want you to become a prat, right? Just saying, spouting off things. Paul tells us that we've got to be careful the way we speak to people that we don't cause them offense, okay? So we can't live in this extreme over here where, well, I said it, it's the way I am. That's the way, uh, lads, I'll speak to my wife the way I want. That's the way I am. I've been like this for 40 odd years and I'm not going to change now. Bro, you need to change. <laughs> you need to change. Because if you love your wife and we honor and we respect and we don't insult, do we? So that's, don't mean idiot, this side of things. But over here as well, don't be a doormat. Don't be a doormat. There's, there's, there's stuff that comes our life and I, we can challenge it, can't we? When young people drop trash on the road in front of me, I, I'm sorry, I've got, to cha- I've got to challenge it. I turn around, I'm probably going to get knifed or stabbed one of these days or whatever it is. But you know, all is that's required for evil to prevail is for good men to stand around and do nothing. All that's required. But a fearful world, see how it comes? I mean, how many people walk around with a knife if I'm going to challenge them? Small minority, isn't it? I have challenged several people about their behaviours in public, that they shouldn't drop litter, and they shouldn't speak to older people like that, and they should have some respect and keep doors open and all of this. I've challenged a few people. I've yet to be stabbed. And I'm not trying to encourage crazy behaviour, but we have to fall on this continuum between being an idiot up here, and don't be a jerk, but equally so, don't be a doormat over here that you're just going to put up with it. Look how Jesus behaves. See how Jesus behaves? Read the scriptures. He doesn't condemn people, but equally so, when he sees things that are wrong, he speaks out about those situations. And that's one of the scriptures that we're going to be looking at in the series together, how he overturns the tables of the money changers. To become resentful or annoyed, typically as a result of a perceived insult. I'll quote a quote from Stephen Covey, if I may, who was in holiday in Hawaii, so in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He writes this, and this has stayed with me for years since I read it too. And he says this, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth, and our freedom. Interesting concept, isn't it? Between stimulation, stimulation and response. So someone slaps you on one side of the face, L, what do we do? Slap them back? <laughs> we turn the other cheek. But between that stimulation and that response, between that stimulation, didn't physically slap you in the face there, I just clapped my hand. But that response, we determine the response. There are some people that if you punch them, they'll punch back. There are some people, if you punch them, they'll just take it. You want to know that on a rugby field? On a football field? You can see the different responses. That response is a choice. And equally so, whether it's in action, whether it's in words, or whether it's even in a look. We determine the response of our hearts to be offended or not. And what happens is those thoughts and feelings build up in our hearts and we give them a bigger credence and a bigger space than they deserve. I mean, I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. Look, I'm just going to put it into perspective and bring some reality to the situation, but last night, Uruguay beat Portugal in the knockout stages of the World Cup. 
there were 22 men kicking a bag of air around the field. And as a result of one team's loss, I kid you not, I saw grown men falling to their knees and crying in pain and anguish over the result that they were now out of the World Cup. Why? Just think about it logically. Imagine Martians coming from space and coming in to watch this. What's, what's going on here? This is a football match. And they're seeing grown men crying. Did somebody die? Yes, it's, a, it's close. Because we get so emotionally caught up in situations sometimes that they have that kind of effect. And it's right sometimes. It's right sometimes. You know that scene that happens in Casualty or Holby City? You've, you've seen the scene. Because Holby City or Casualty takes the same routine all the time, doesn't it? There's normally two or three stories that start with a segment. You see a person going merrily to work, and you know something's going to happen, don't you? You see them, and they're putting a CD in, and you know, you know, and it's a truck coming the other direction, and it goes, car, truck, girl listening to the... And you know where it's going to head up? It's going to end up in a car accident. And we're quite excited at the thought. How sad are you? You think, oh, I can see that something's going to happen here now. And then it goes through, and then that's how every single casualty goes, doesn't it? Build up of scene, accident's going to happen, or scaffolding that's rattling, and a loose bolt. All of those build-ups. But then there's always scenes in casualty that the ones that we connect with in a very, very powerful way are the one where the door opens and the surgeon comes out and meets a family member, doesn't he? He's got his head held low and he's shaking his head. And the camera doesn't even have to say the lines. The camera just points at the mum or the dad. And you hear or you see the conversation, you don't even hear it. And you will see the mother literally fall to her knees in pain and anguish at the news that their loved one is gone. That's very real. And I'm not talking about that kind of pain and anguish that we're supposed to come harden hearts. Phil, bad news, your wife died today. Oh, never mind, tumpty dum, let's go for dinner. <laughs> We're not talking about that kind of pain. We're talking about giving certain pains a place in a heart that they don't deserve, that the enemy wants us to have because it will render us in a position that we can't move. And we're going to talk in a few weeks that are ahead here about some big subjects. We really are. We're going to talk about the subject of forgiveness and how difficult it is to forgive and how Jesus gave us the ultimate example of forgiveness when he stretched out his arms on the cross, didn't he? I'm so inspired with it when I read it. After all they did, they spat in his face, they took away everything from him, took away his dignity. He's naked as he's given the ultimate humiliation. And there from the cross, after letting the thief in, Today you'll be with me in paradise, such is Christ's grace. He declares these words, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. I'm not sure I could do that. I would have called, you know, the hymnist writer says he could have called 10,000 angels. I'd have called the legion. I would have, I'd have said, go on, God, wipe them out. Wipe them out. But how deep the Father's love for us that he stayed there in order to purchase our freedom, that we might no longer live in fear and in anguish and in worry, but he's come to set us free because his love is working in our hearts. So we're going to have some tough things that we're going to talk about forgiveness, about jealousy, 
about envy and about doubt and how so many of these things, when we process information in a certain way, it causes an offense. And we get offended. We get annoyed because somebody else has got a new car and not us. I mean, what's that to do with us? But we can get this. Why, did, why does it happen? They had the promotion. I didn't. And we live in an area in our lives of injustice and wrongdoing. And we take stuff on board and we give the enemy a foothold. We allow him into our lives as a result of the working of fear. But our text tells us that we looked at that in First Timothy today. Perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love. So can I ask you, as the worship team um, uh, come and join me, can I ask you, will you allow God's love into your heart? Forever changed by your love. That's what we sang. And we are going to learn together over these couple of weeks that lie ahead of what it is to allow God's love to have a place in our heart and how, as Proverbs tells us, and which will be a verse that we'll look at next week, this principle that the Bible teaches us, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the life spring of life itself. Our hearts and our minds are under our control. We choose to be offended. We choose how we process things. We choose all of this in our lives. Can we, can we get to a place that walking in Christ, putting our hands in His, that His love is so deep in our hearts that we become like Christ and we become unoffendable? Unoffendable? Amazing place to live. I'm on a journey myself on this space that needs to be in my heart where there's only room for love. This space in my heart that there's no room for any fear. There's no room for doubt. There's no room for uncertainty because I've decided not to fight. I've decided not to fly away from the problems and the situations. I've decided not to freeze. I've decided to cultivate my heart in the love of God and become unendable. That you or anyone, I can put up with any US president, I can put up with any UK president, God help me, Martin, I could put up with a Labour government, a Conservative government, a Lib Dem, I could even put up with Plaid Cymru. Can I get to a place where I don't really care? Because God's in control. I'm unoffendable. I'll just take care of my heart and the bit that I'm looking after and make sure that I have love in my heart towards everyone and everything and live in a space like Jesus lived of being unoffendable. Amen. Should we stand and worship together one last time? We're singing majesty Majesty Your 
grace has found me just as I am Empty handed but alive in your hands We're singing This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.